0: Well, you can take your seats. Uh, good morning, I'm JB. I am honored to have this opportunity to get to bring God's Word to us today. We're going to be in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3, and have you noticed that the world around us is having some difficulty, right? We have some, have some problems going on. I mean, some major problems, like uh, not just the, the sweeping coronavirus, right? Uh, thank you for wearing your mask, um, and uh, that, that's infected almost... Uh, Three million people, right? The U.S., again, is at the top of the list of, of many accolades, right? And now, you know, we're at the most positive cases, too, in the world. Um, have you heard about or, or seen about the cultural and racial tensions that we've had, right, that we're having right now? Um, they're just prevalent everywhere, everywhere we turn. The state of our union and the world is closely resembling the first century, The first century where Peter writes to many churches to encourage them in the face of persecution, in the face of suffering, even though their friends are being burned at the stake uh, for their faith and being beheaded for their faith, that we can remain strong and we can be encouraged because God sees it and he hears it and he's with us. Um, Their world needs desperate change. And guess what? Our world needs desperate change. Change. First Peter is about problems, major problems. And so, problems uh, are not accidents, a wise man might say. But more than accidents, problems are appointments, right? Places in our lives to develop and mature us. Nothing accelerates our spiritual growth and maturity more than problems. Being a Christ follower does not eliminate our problems. Sometimes, our choice to follow Christ is does not, ha- uh, um, uh, causes us to have more problems because we're, we're following him and we're not following the ways of the world, right? Problems make life tough and sometimes discourage us. And this is exactly why God inspired these words to Peter. So his world was looking for hope just as our, our, our world, church family, is looking for hope. Peter instructs us in this passage how you and I, Christ followers, will be world changers I want to tell you what Peter uh, says, and then we'll work through it um, for ourselves. As a Christ follower, and I'll give it to you on the screen, as a Christ follower, I should have a transformed attitude towards the saved, the sinner, and the seekers. And now uh, that we are saved by Christ, it's the Holy Spirit who is in us, and, and as we depend on him, he guides us and he gives us strength to be transformed in our interactions with people. We... As individual Christ followers, depending on the Holy Spirit and coming together will change the world. Don't turn your ears off at this monumental task. I know it's huge, but think about this as we walk through this text together and figure out what you can do to change what you can change, right? Um, Maybe your, your household, your relationship with others, with brothers and sisters, your relationship at the office or your workplace, um, in, anywhere and everywhere, the, the places that you can change. Let's, let's turn and, and seek to look inside of ourselves as we walk through 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. So let me read it as we go. Finally, all of you, Peter, talking to these beaten-down Christians, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Last verse, verse 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Let's pray, church family. Clear our minds, O God, of distractions, and let us grow closer to you, we pray in your name. Amen. So this year uh, in student ministry here on Wednesdays, we walk through all of 1 Peter. And I reminded the students every Wednesday why it's good to listen to Peter. Firstly, Peter was one of the closest men to Jesus uh, on the earth, right? He was certainly in his circle of three, Peter, James, and John. Uh, Peter probably spent the most time uh, with Jesus, and he was older, He was older than than all of the other disciples, um, scholars would say. And also, we know that he was married, right? Jesus healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law, right? And then she began to serve them. It's a beautiful passage. Um, And so Peter is is not green, okay? He's not naive, okay? But at the same time, he's action-oriented, right? Uh, He is, I can relate to him. Some of you can relate to him because he, Acts, he does actions before he thinks, right? And, uh, and teenagers, much uh, of the time, they do that. And that's, that's great. I, hey, go for it. Uh, but Peter uh, had to learn some things, uh, right? He had to mature. Uh, another thing uh, why we need to listen to Peter is um, Peter's much like us. He denied Christ three times, right? The night of his being arrested. And Jesus told him that he was going to do that. No, Lord, I'll never do that. He denied him three times, and he he, he sinned against Jesus, right? He sinned against his Lord. But later, the resurrected Christ, the risen Christ forgives him, right? And he's restored, and we are restored, aren't we, Christ followers? We are restored uh, just uh, due, due to our sin. Jesus comes, and he pays the penalty on the cross for us, and we ask forgiveness, and he freely gives it. Amen. He, we are restored to him. So um, Peter's letter, too. Uh, before we go on, is widely distributed. Okay, in the first century, where Paul's uh, most of Paul's letters were directly to a certain church or a certain person, like Timothy. Right. Um, Peter's letter was distributed widely to the first century churches. Scholars you know, would say. And again, uh, during this time, there's severe persecution going on. So Peter's trying to encourage the church. And First Peter. Peter addresses several types of Christ followers. He addresses Christians, he addresses servants. Look at verse 1 in chapter 3, he addresses wives. Verse 7, he addresses husbands. And so in verse 8, he gives a summary. Now here's what it says. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And so as a Christ follower, I should have a transformed attitude towards the saved. There are five actions that we must have and should have in our attitude transformation. The first one is have unity of mind or be harmonious. Peter is instructing us to do this within the body of Christ, with other Christ followers. That's, that's pretty easy, right? We can have the same mind, we can have the same goals. No, it's, it's tough. Where there's two of us, we're going to have differing opinions, right? We can agree to disagree, which is something that we don't do very well. But We need to be harmonious, right? This is what Peter's saying. Peter's saying we need to be united in Christ first, right? That's the starting point. I need to understand my individual need for a savior, a savior who by his perfect blood takes away my sin. I also need to understand that I need Jesus as my Lord, not just my savior, but I need him as my Lord, my captain, the one through whom I filter all of my decisions through. And certainly by his word. When I ask sincerely, Jesus forgave me. And he gave me his eternal inheritance that Peter talks about in chapter 1. The starting point to having unity of mind with Christ's followers is starting with salvation and the lordship under Jesus in my own life. Amen? This is an individual choice. I can't make it for you even though I pray, right? We as a staff, we as leaders, deacons, Sunday school teachers, all of us pray for uh, and and shepherd our church family. We want you to have salvation. We pray for that. But it's your choice, right? The Holy Spirit calls you to make that decision. I can't make that decision for you. Parents can't make it for you. You can't be grandfathered into salvation. You have to make the choice yourself. And He makes it. he, He allows us to do that freely. Right? This is the starting point. You must come to Christ. This unity of mind doesn't mean that we're all the same, okay? God's kingdom is made up of many different languages, many different nations, and uh, but we all must be of the same mind, having unity, having the same goals. It's like music, right? If we're singing one tone, it's unison, and that's, that's okay, right? Um, some of you Well, I'll just keep on going. Anyways, one tone, right? One tone. But if we have different pitches, right, that are harmonious, man, that's beautiful, right? That's beautiful stuff. That is what Peter's talking about. Be harmonious, church family. Be harmonious. And I'm not just talking to, I'm certainly talking to Elkdale, my church family, right? But I'm talking to the world. I'm talking to the big C church. This is what Peter's saying. Hey, look, I know you've been beat down. I know you've seen your friends die for their faith. But as you come and you find a local church, be harmonious. Look to Christ, right? Have unity of mind. Man, that's the good stuff. He instructs us to be harmonious. This is a very serious matter, to have all Christ followers be in harmony. And Jesus, I'll give it to you on the screen, John 17, 20, Jesus prayed this in the garden, in the garden. He says, I do not ask for these only, speaking of the disciples with him, But also for those, us, the eternal church, who will believe in me through their, the disciples' word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why does Jesus have us or want us? Why does he pray for all of us to have unity of mind? It's the starting point so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's why, that's why. Transform my attitude, O God, to be in harmony towards the saved. The second attitude we must allow the Holy Spirit to transform in us in order to change the world is to have sympathy, sympathy. Let's seek to understand our brothers and our sisters. Peter sounds like he's in the U.S. right now, right in 2020, but he's not. He's giving us a timeless Truth in God, right? I need to change my attitude towards Christ, uh, towards tri- uh, Christ followers. In sympathy, I need to, need to try to understand what they feel like. This is what the church is supposed to look like, right? I need to seek to feel what somebody else feels, not just in their joy, but in their sorrow, right? I must do this uh, without envy and a competitive nature, You know, some of you are uh, more competitive than others, right? And so we don't need to seek uh, to look like we have sympathy, okay, for our own gain, for our own uh, competitive nature, okay? This is very hard. This is very hard stuff. And if I'm all about myself, then guess what? There's no room for any of you. And so we need to have sympathy for each other. Transform my attitude, oh God, to have sympathy for each other. The saved, towards the saved. The third attitude here in verse 8 is to have brotherly love towards the saved. I have three sons. Uh, The first two are a year and a half apart. And you can see in your mind's eye, Grove and Scout, best buds and worst enemies, right? Like it's it's a beautiful thing. You may have siblings uh, like that too. Um, And so I pray. When they have, uh, when the opportunity arises that someone on the other side that doesn't have the Brown family name, right? Someone outside of my family picks on one of them, I pray that they will defend each other, right? Like best buds, worst enemies. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, that's brotherly love, right? They have close relationships because they spend a lot of time together. Not just because of coronavirus restrictions. They spend time. Y'all know that we homeschool. They're with each other all the time, right? But that's what it takes, church family. To have real relationships that we talk about here at Elkdale, it takes time. And I know it's, it's a little confusing now with, uh, with the restrictions put in place and stuff like that. But guys, we, a, a, um, a sweet letter in the mail, right? A phone call. I know you teenagers text. All the time, right? And so just, just let's, let's spend time together. And that's not the same, right? It's not the same online as it is, although we love you online, folks. Um, but we do need to spend time together. If, they ha- if we have close re- uh, friendships, um, then we can have real uh, relationships. This is done, it's produced with, with time, with praying for others, right? Singing with others, praising with others. Encouraging others. How about this? Rebuking and correcting others in love. This is what real relationships look like. This is what Peter is calling the beat down, the oppressed. Those Christ followers separated. They're all separated, much like we are. Very separated, right? But that's what he's calling them to do. Have brotherly love for each other. I don't know uh, where your heart is or your goals are. Right? If you come and you um, correct me, if I don't spend time with you and not and, and don't and don't know you that you're for me, then I won't take that correction in love. Right? We need to spend time together. This is what our country needs right now, and it starts with me and you. Transform my attitude, O oh God, O oh God, to have brotherly love towards the saved. The fourth attitude here in verse eight is a tender heart. Aw, bless his heart. That's what y'all are thinking right now, right? And that's kind of what Peter's talking about, but not really. He, has, he says, have, have a tender heart. He's talking about having pity, having compassion towards those who are distressed and depressed. Don't be cold to others and get the scriptures out in order to bash the one who did something wrong. You know, we're, we're pretty, pretty quick to do that sometimes. I know as a kid, I've told the, 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 the teenagers that I was very quick to do that, as a 16, 17-year-old. I would get my scriptures out, the good Pharisee that I was, and I would judge everybody, right? And that's not what we are called to do. Uh, Don't retreat. Let me be clear, though. Don't retreat from what the scripture says and from following it, okay? But pray over that opportunity to correct the one in the wrong, the sinner, right? And Peter is still talking about having a tender heart towards Christ's followers. And let me... um, let me give you a, a little tidbit here. Even Christ's followers continue to sin, right? I continue to sin. And so you need to be tender-hearted with me. I need to be tender-hearted with you. We need to correct each other. We need to strive to go towards God and his will for us. We are saved from our sin, but we're maturing, we're growing towards perfection in him. This takes total dependence on the Holy Spirit. Look at this uh, on the screen. Jesus was very harsh on the teachers of the law and the religious people uh, in in his day. Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The very thing that we do not need to do is to be cold-hearted in sharing life with each other. We need to have a tender heart that will allow us to love more and be more mature in Christ when those corrections need to be made. And guess what? It's, It's probably you, right? But we need to do that in love and in tenderness. Transform my attitude, O oh God, to be tender hearted toward the Save. So the last attitude in verse eight is probably the hardest one. Have a humble mind. Courtesy is the hallmark of a humble person. Stuck up, arrogant people are only friendly to people that they believe worthy of their attention. In first Peter chapter five, verse five, he tells us to clothe ourselves with humility. And quoting Proverbs 3, verse 34, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And another proverb, uh, chapter 16, verse 18, y'all know this one. Pride goes before the fall, right? Pride goes before destruction. Let's be careful, Christ followers, not to seem like we have it all together. We don't. Well, we're striving to get there, and we, we do have hope. Though and, and we do have the antidote for covering a multitude of sins. What's it say? Love. Love from Christ to us. And in turn, love from Christ to others. Right? Covers a multitude of sins. Transform my attitude, O oh God, to be humble toward the saved. So let's recap. How can we be world changers? As, Christ, as a Christ follower, I should have a trans, uh, uh, transformed attitude toward the saved... And the sinners. So let me read uh, verses 9 through 12. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The verses uh, that I just read are pretty self-explanatory. But I want to zero in on why we as Christ followers should listen and should yield to the Holy Spirit to help us obey these actions. Remember Peter's writing to the Christians that have been under severe persecution. They have seen their friends, their family members die because of standing for their faith. Terrible deaths because they stood for their faith. And look at verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Insult for insult. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. This is what Christ's followers should look different. Uh, This is how and where Christ's followers should look different from the world. right? From those who do not follow Christ. We should look different. When evil is targeted at you, bless the person instead. When insulted... Bless them anyways, for we are called by God to bless him first and bless others. We are called to a higher standard, and this calling has unlimited privileges, and the calling is never-ending, right? We have an eternal life that we, we're practicing to live with each other forever, amen? Our home is not on earth. It's in heaven. It's never-ending. So Peter understands that this is a difficult duty, but I believe he's remembering Jesus saying in Luke 6, verse 28, Bless those who curse you, right? Pray for those who mistreat you. Here is the incentive in verse 9, that you may obtain a blessing. Is that enough incentive for you? Because it, it's hard when uh, you have evil coming at you, right? When you have insults, when, the, when Satan has uh, flaming darts coming at you, right? Flaming arrows, do you remember the goodness of God? Do you remember the blessings, both seen and unseen? That is uh, what he's trying to, to remind us of. It's hard to keep those in the forefront of our minds. But we as Christ followers are called to do this. And verses 10 through 12 here explains some of the benefits of obeying verse 9. So Peter quotes Psalm uh, chapter 34, verses 12 through 16 here. Look at verse 10. Whoever desires to love life and see good days. Life present, life eternal, life fulfilling, life, a life of contentment. A bitter attitude makes us hate life and resent the people in our lives, right? Let's keep reading. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, speaking gossip, speaking slander, cursing, dirty language. Christ followers, that should not be among us, right? Should not be among us. Those who honor Christ with their mind, body, soul, strength. Everything we got. Transform my attitude, O oh God, my habits and my actions. Look at the screen. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. This is helpful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. With the same tongue, we bless and we encourage, and we also curse and tear down. Christ followers, we must be careful and keep a guard on our speech, right? Look at verse 11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. We must work hard at living at peace with others. This is a call to action that we pursue peace. Plan your day to pursue peace. How about this? Put the phone down, right? Okay? Turn the computers off. Not you that are online. Hold on. But the rest of us, right? We need to, we need to fast. We need to take uh, some time away from TV, right? Especially now, we have media, whatever that is, right? And we get so in, uh, um, just inundated with media and negative, right? I love how, um, I think it's Channel 8 uh, uh, here in Alabama, that they have very, at the very bottom of the webpage, it says... What's going right with your community? Yeah, let's click on the positive, right? That's good. That's that's good news. I want to hear that. But guys, we have to take a break from the negative, right? Or it's going to overtake us. It's going to overtake us. Now, Peter's not suggesting that we run from hard conversations. But he's suggesting that we be calculated in them, right? So when we have that hard conversation that we need to have, let's pray on that opportunity Let's pray on that moment to speak truth and love. And maybe that truth and love is, forgive me, right? I'm so sorry. Let's sit down and let's talk. Let's seek peace, right? Let's pursue it. Transform my attitude, oh God, to turn away from evil and seek peace. Look at verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do Evil. What comfort we find in this verse or what curse, right? The comfort uh, first though, we as Christ followers are made righteous by Christ, the one righteous that gave himself up for the unrighteous. We have his righteousness. And because of Christ, God's eyes and ears are open to us. Amen. We must look differently than the world. Those who, who don't trust in Christ We must ask the Holy Spirit to transform our attitudes toward righteousness. Why? Why should we ask that? Because Christ died for us. He gave up his most precious blood where we should have been. And he calls us to be holy. Holy. Secondly, there are blessings on top of the eternal inheritance that we receive. We talked about that. Thirdly, because life as a Christ follower is extremely tough without God on our side. Which... Begs the question, can God close his ears to our prayers? Do you see that in verse 12? His ears are open to their prayer. Look up at at, at verse 7. Maybe this is the curse here. Verse 7 in chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, get this, so that your prayers... May not be hindered. Wow. This is serious. When, when we were walking through uh, in student ministry this year, through 1 Peter, I read that and I said, whoa. You know, things like turned upside down for me, right? Like in the office, I stopped what I was doing and I called Summer Brown and I said, forgive me, right? Like uh, my, my sweet wife, forgive me. I don't want my prayers to be hindered, right? But I want to love you. I want to... Follow what God's word says. Guys, our prayers can be hindered if we're not walking in righteousness. We bear his name. God is serious about our attitudes as Christ followers. He's very serious. We bear his name, which is the name above every name, but it comes with a duty to look different, to act different, to walk different, to be different. Transform my attitude, O God, towards sinners. Verse 12 is also an encouragement to the severely persecuted Christians in Peter's day. It reminds them that God is on their side, right? He sees and he hears them. He knows what's going on. He's against those who do evil. God fights back. He calls us to bless those who curse us, but he alone, God alone, has the liberty and the right in righteousness, the pure justness, to give justice. And to bring vengeance on the people that are evil. By the way, the fight, church family, is not against flesh and blood. The fight is not against people, uh, Ephesians 6.12 would tell us. It's against, uh, 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 or, or those enemies, those enemies that we want to get back at, okay? Jesus died for them too, amen? He died for them too. We have to change our attitude. We have to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, so oh God transform our attitude, oh God. Transform our attitude. Look at uh, verse 13 through 15. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? If you are deeply devoted for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your heart, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. We should be fanatical about doing good. And encouragement in verse 14 comes from Jesus' beatitudes in Matthew 5 verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We don't have uh, uh, don't don't ha- have fear or worry, but honor Christ as holy is what Peter says. This puts a clear divide in how Christ followers should think and should carry themselves. I have another verse on the screen, Isaiah 8 11 through 14. At this time, God is talking to Isaiah. And guess what? Israel, again, is messing up. The chosen people of God are are sinning against him. That's the whole story of the Bible, right? God creates us perfectly, right? To praise him, to walk with him, to be with him. And what? We mess it up, right? Well, then he forgives us and he clothes us and he gives us a, a new start, right? And then we mess it up, right? It's like this. It's like a roller coaster, right? Here again, this is what um, God's uh, saying to Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Just an aside there. Does that sound like, you know, right now? Does that sound like the TV and just the media and all these kind of things? Let me get back to God's word. Do not fear what they fear And do not dread it, verse 13. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He's the one you are to fear. He's the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Does this remind you of our nation? Does this remind you of today? Where God's chosen people were in this passage is where we are. Don't let the news of the day make you fear or worry. Fear God, keeping you accountable for not trusting in him during this and every pandemic. Transform my attitude, O God, to honor you as holy. So recap, how can we be world changers? How can we be world changers? As a Christ follower, I should have a transformed attitude toward the saved, the sinners, and the seekers. So last passage here, 15 through 17. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. Always being prepared, always ready, always practiced to give an answer to explain why you honor Christ as holy. Why is he your hope, right? Why? I can be confident in my hope in Jesus. I can be sure in my hope in Jesus, not just because mom or dad told me so, right? Right? Not just because Sunday school teachers told me so, but it's historically true. Christ's resurrection actually happened. Amen? It's because of, spirit, it's, it's spiritually relevant for my hope uh, to lie in Jesus. His word remains accurate as we come through the, the 25,000 original manuscripts that, guess what? are all the same. All the same. It's not hocus-pocus here. That's why my hope is, is true in him. That's why... It's good. It's because when I've been at my lowest point, God was there with me waiting for me to repent, to ask forgiveness and come back to him and live victoriously in him, right? It's because of my personal testimony. Your God story, Christ follower, is the best defense for your faith. Do you have one? Have you thought it out? Have you you written it down? Have you practiced it? Do you have an answer for the hope that is within you? The suffering and the persecution is not over, Peter says. But if you have Christ where he should be in your life, the top, the only one, right? At the top. Then you can defend why you are depending on him and your days may be better. If you live righteously and do good. You don't have to have all the answers because your actions in Christ will speak for themselves, right? They'll speak louder than words. But still, find the answers and train others. Tell others about the gospel. Someone told you about Christ. Let's tell others about Christ. Transform my attitude, O God, not just to pursue righteous living, but to grow deeper in my relationship with you so that I may benefit from that to be closer to you. And so that others may be may benefit alongside of me. Last things, verse seventeen. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Christ follower, you are going to suffer. If you suffer for doing good for Christ, you will be rewarded in God's great timing. This is encouraging. This comes through accountability and real relationships. We need each other to hold us accountable. Like a good parent that gives you an atta boy or an atta girl, but then points out what you did poorly, right? And then wisely gives you um, uh, some, some areas on how to correct it, right? Some actions on how to correct it. This is God's word. He is our good, good father. And that's what he's doing with us. This is Peter's encouragement. This is how we will change the world. With the Holy Spirit's help, depending on him, transforming our attitudes, my attitude, towards the saved, the sinners, and the seekers. So what now? In light of 1 Peter 3, 8 through 17, what should we do? What now? Here's some points of application. How can we be world changers while I make steps to transform my attitude through depending on the Holy Spirit? You make steps to do that too. You help me in this, and we change the world together. So the starting point. Is this, have you trusted in Christ? Have you, have you come to the realization that you need a Savior? And not just a Savior, but have you made him your Lord? There's so many of us, it's easy to see our wrongs. It's easy to see where we fail. I need a Savior, right? That's easy to, you can argue somebody with that. Yeah, you're not perfect. Wow, I'm not perfect. I need a Savior, okay, right? But then, as you take Jesus as your Savior, have you made him your Lord? Have you made him the captain of your life, the king of your life, where all your decisions are filtered through his word, through him, right? Do you have a daily relationship with him? Have you made him your Lord? That's the starting point. Make a commitment to him. Why have you not yet, right? Like, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? If you've trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, are you honoring Christ as holy in your life? Are you doing that? He's the one to fear. He's the one to honor. Christ follower, where do you need to grow? Is it, is it depending on the Holy Spirit with your attitudes towards the saved? Right? Is it your attitudes towards the sinner? Your attitude towards the seeker? They're out there. They're lo- our world is looking for hope. Right, church family? We have the hope to give them. And the last thing is, what's one thing, or a couple things, what's one thing you can grow towards him more? Right? Think it through. Think it through. Look introspectively, right? While Brother Corey's up here, while uh, Brother Micah's up here, whoever's up here, right? We're not just giving you God's word. We're, I'm being challenged by this, right? I want you to be challenged by this. Look at you first, right? So let's get it right first. And then the last thing is, um, how can Elkdale help? How can we help? Uh, Mrs. Kim and, and Micah and I will be hanging out after the service. Love to talk to you about this. That's what a church family does, Right? have real relationships, change lives and real relationships. And let's get real, church family. Let's change our attitudes. Let's, Let's allow the Holy Spirit to transform our attitudes and change the world together. Let's pray. Our Savior, Lord and King, Jesus, you alone are worthy. You're worthy to be praised and worshiped, for you alone took my place on the cross and died for my sin, for my mistakes. Thank you, Jesus, for beating death. You can't be held down. You hold the keys to life and death, and you promise that you are with me. Thank you for making it clear to us through your word, the Holy Bible, how we will change the world through asking the Holy Spirit to transform our attitudes and by keeping each other accountable in this. This will take time with each other and letting our guards down, having real relationships but I know that we can do this. We're, we're already doing this slowly. Help us to be more intentional so that you will be glorified even more so here at Elkdale and your light will shine to Selma and Dallas County and to the world beyond. You are our hope, O oh God, and our strength in this chaos-filled world. Let us get real with our faith in you and with our attitudes. Transform us, O oh God. I pray for those in the room who are struggling to make a commitment for the first time to you, Jesus. I pray for boldness, and I pray for courage to walk in your truth and accept your most gracious gift of eternal life. I pray for Elkdale. I pray for our Sunday school and our Grow Group leaders uh, as, as they are strengthened to carry out your command to shepherd and spur along with others the encouragement under, under their care, even in this unprecedented time. I pray selfishly, Lord, that our student ministry here would grow in depth of loving you before growing in numbers. Send workers to help me shepherd over our teenagers here so that we will be intentional in equipping disciples who will change the world like the first disciples have. Please keep us about your business, O God, and safeguard our families as we love you, as we love others, as we make disciples of you. It's in your name we do pray. Amen.